Well, good morning, church. How are you doing today? Are you good? Do you enjoy the presence of God so far? Amen, amen. Well, I want to tell you about a couple of things before we get into the conclusion of our series today. Uh, tomorrow evening, the ladies of Impact are having a movie night. So you guys are actually going to meet uh, at Magel's at 6 o'clock if you want to be a part of that. And then the movie begins at 7.25. So if, even if you can't come to dinner and you just want to come to the movie or you just want to come to dinner but don't want to go to the movie, whatever you want to do, just keep those times in mind. That's tomorrow evening. If you need any more information about that, you can talk to my wife who is sitting right here on the front row. She's the best looking woman in the place today. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I want to also let you know, just uh, back here at Impact, the Impact Store, we do have everything 20% off, and so we just wanted to do that as a blessing to you guys for this weekend. So if you are interested in any of that, getting a hoodie, a shirt, uh, a tumbler, coffee mug, bracelets, I mean, just everything back there. We also have, uh, as a part of this next season of our church that's coming up, the beginning of the year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting every year and this year we wanted to resource you ahead of time so if you want uh, we have back there there's a devotional called draw the circle and you can pick that up it's 40 days devotional so you can begin it when we begin our fast and continue it uh, for another 19 days after and let me just tell you I've, I've read that devotional a couple of times through and it is a blessing every time and it will challenge your faith I promise you if you're looking for something that will challenge you to think bigger to do more to, to have faith in God that he can come through, and no matter what circumstance is going on in your life, that is the devotional for you. So you can pick that up. I think they're only $8 back there today or something like that. Also, we have a book that is entitled Fasting, written by a pastor uh, who pastors the church in Georgia. I have also read this book, and it is incredible. So if you want to know what fasting is about, you want to know what, what are the principles behind it, what, why do we fast, what is the purpose of fasting? All of those things are answered in that book, and it is really, really, really good. And you can get that back there. Uh, we're going to be selling those from now until we begin our fast, maybe even through those 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. So be sure and grab that at some point so that you can be resourced. You can find out more information about that before we get to that point uh, in this next season of our church. Amen. We also have uh, journals that we have available now that we're going to be prayer journaling through our 20 days of prayer and fasting, but you can also just get a journal for whatever. If you like to journal, if that's something that you do, you write things down. I know we've talked about that. I've preached about that a couple of times. I believe in the importance of writing things down, whether it's you have some kind of journal on your phone or uh, you, like, you prefer something in your hand, you can pick those up back there at the store also. So with that being said, uh, we are concluding our series today called Misdirection, and I want to encourage you, I, I want to encourage you, we've had an incredible time so far in the presence of God, amen? I want to encourage you to lean in and, and listen a little bit closer today, to, to engage a little bit more today, because I, I, I believe that the, the word that God has put on my heart uh, to preach today is specifically for me. But I believe that it's for every person in this room. I don't think there's anybody that is exempt from today's message. And so I want you to lean in. I want you to get what God wants to speak to you today. Amen? Do you, are you ready to receive what God has for you today? Are you ready to receive what God has for you today? All right. Well, in this series, we've talked about responsibility in week one, taking responsibility for ourselves and our city and our families. We talked about endurance in week two and how Jesus, he knew his why. 
And because he knew his why, why he started that, why he began that, why, why he was going to the cross, he was able to endure all of the pain and all of the struggle and see that through to the end. And last week we talked about discipline and the discipline that we need in our lives. And today, as we end this series, I want to talk to you on this subject, and I've titled the message today, The Pressure to Please. The Pressure to Please. If you're taking notes you can write that down on the line that says title, The Pressure to Please. And I want you to, I want you, I'm telling you, I want you to lean in and get what God wants to talk to you about today. I was thinking this past week, and I was reminded in my life when my wife and I were feeling the nudge, or whatever you want to call it, from the Holy Spirit to step out in faith and plant the church that you're sitting in right now. I remember the moments of going back and forth and the conversations that we had and, and the ups and the downs and all of that as we were feeling the nudge from the Holy Spirit to step out in faith, even though we didn't have the resource and we didn't have the people and we didn't have, you know, uh, we didn't know everything there was to know about planting a church. I remember when we were doing that and I remember the thoughts that were going through our heads during that time and some conversations that we had as well, like, what will people think if we resign from our current position? You ever been there? You feel like God's asking you to, to, to leave one thing and go do another or, you know, to take this step of faith and you begin to think about, well, what are people going to think about me if I resign, if I quit, if I do this, all of that. I remember the conversations of, well, what, if, what are people going to think? Are, are we too young? Are we too young? Come on, who's going who's gonna to sign up to follow a couple of young pastors who think that they can just tra transform a city and think that they can make an impact in people's lives. Who's gonna, who's gonna sign up to do that, right? Who's gonna, who's gonna just get behind the vision of what God has told us to do because we're so young? I also remember, you know, thinking, what, what about all of the friends that we've made and the people that we're close to where we're at? What are they gonna think? Well, you, you, you came and and we got close and now you're leaving, and so you start worrying about. All of these other things. I can also remember, maybe you can relate to this, when we brought our first child home from the hospital. And I remember thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Anybody been there? I don't know what I'm doing, and our family is going to think that we're crazy. Our family's going to think that we're the worst parents in the world, and we don't know what we're doing because we don't know what we're doing, and we're just learning as we go. I remember that time. I also remember uh, my first job in full-time ministry, and maybe you remember your first your first. Maybe it was the thing that you went to college for or the thing that you were passionate about or the thing that you always wanted to do. And you first stepped into it and you thought, yes, God has finally put me where I want to be. God is finally leading me in that direction. I'm finally stepping into it. And I remember for me that was to be doing this full time. And when we first stepped in, we were student pastors or youth pastors, whatever you call it. And we stepped into that role for the first day, and I remember sitting down at my desk. You know, they're like, oh, we've had the interviews, and we met with them multiple times, met all these people. And we sit down, and, and I've got my computer that they're giving me and all this stuff, and I'm thinking, yes, this is going to be awesome. And as soon as I sat down at the desk, it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And what if they don't think, you know, they're so excited about us being here, and we're so excited to be here, and what if we screw it up, and what if we don't do it right, and what if they think, that, that we're not doing a good enough job. I mean, on day one and then day two and day three, and it started to get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better, but I remember that thinking, what have I gotten myself into? And even sometimes 
before uh, before I preach a message here, whether maybe it's a message that that God gave me that I don't think is going to be very popular, but He's telling me to say it, or maybe there's something that I'm like, God, are they really going to like that? Like, is it really going to be? Are they going to leave thinking, man, that was good, and oh, I can take that and I can use that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or is it just going to be words? And there's all these all of these scenarios, and you can think of a lot of, of instances in your life, I'm sure. When you were stepping into something or you were about to do something or you were responsible for something and, and you were concerned about what other people were thinking and you were concerned about what other people were going to think of you and you were concerned if you had, you know, do I have the capacity and the ability to actually do what I feel like I'm supposed to do and all of these thoughts set in. And I wonder, have you ever done something or not done something because of what someone else might think or say about you? Have you ever done something or not done something because you were so concerned about what somebody else was going to think about you or say about you or talk, you know, behind your back? Well, I think they're crazy. Have you ever done something or not done something because you felt those emotions in your life? And there was a man in the Bible, his name was Peter, maybe you've heard of Peter, who did the same thing, and I want to look at two quick stories about Peter and how he handled going through some of this, this navigation and this journey and, and this struggle that we all deal with on a daily basis a lot of times. So I want to look at two stories, and in this first story, uh, Jesus has just been arrested, and Peter has followed Jesus to where the soldiers have taken him, and maybe you've read this, you know, you read this story around Easter leading up to, you know, Jesus' crucifixion and, and resurrection and all of that. But I want to read it today and, and talk about it for just a few moments. Starting in verse 15, this is John chapter 18. It says, Simon Peter and another one of Jesus' followers went with Jesus. This follower knew the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the yard of the high priest's house. Now, I can imagine right now that Peter's thinking, here's a guy who knows the high priest, and they've just hauled off Jesus, and they're about to, you know, put him on trial and, try and make all these decisions. And I'm hanging out right here outside of where all these people are at. And he goes, and this other person that he's with goes into the house of the high priest. And I can imagine him thinking, well, what if somebody recognizes me? They may not recognize this guy, but I've been pretty close to Jesus. So what if somebody recognizes me, and what are they going to do to me, and what are they going to say about me? Verse 16, but Peter waited outside near the door. The follower who knew the high priest came back outside and spoke to the gatekeeper. Then he brought Peter inside. The girl at the gate said to Peter, are you also one of the followers of that man? Peter answered, no, I am not. It was cold, so the servants and guards had built a fire. They were standing around it, warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them. The high priest asked Jesus questions about his followers and what he taught them. Jesus answered, I have always spoken openly to all people. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple area. All the Jews came together there. I never said anything in secret, so why do you question me? Ask the people who heard my teaching. They know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the guards standing there hit him. The guard said, you should not talk to the high priest like that. Jesus answered, if I said something wrong, tell everyone here what it was. But if what I said is right, then why do you hit me? So Annas said, Je sent Jesus to Caiaphas, the high priest. He was still tied. 
Simon Peter was standing at the fire, keeping himself warm. And I can imagine, again, Peter's hanging out, and he's probably within a distance of being able to hear what's going on. He's standing around just trying to blend in with everybody that's there, keeping himself warm by the fire. And as Jesus is coming back, you know, why are you hitting me? If I said something wrong, tell me what it was. And can you imagine if you were there, you're probably thinking, yeah, that's right, Jesus. You, you, you tell them, Jesus. That's right. They shouldn't be hitting you. They shouldn't be doing that to you because you haven't done anything wrong and you haven't said anything wrong. So you just tell them. You tell them, Jesus. Tell them, Jesus. And then the other people said to Peter, aren't you, the one of the, aren't you one of the followers of that man? Peter denied it. He said, no, I am not. As he's standing there hearing what's going on and watching what's going on, part of him is probably thinking, That's, yeah, you tell him. We're going to get out of here because you haven't done anything wrong. And as soon as somebody asks him, are you associated with Jesus too? Do you know Jesus? Aren't you the person that we saw hanging out with Jesus? No. Uh -uh. No. That's, that's not me. Verse 26. One of the servants of the high priest was there. He was a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. The servant said, I think I saw you with him in the garden. But again, Peter said, no, I was not with him. As soon as he said this, a rooster crowed. I wonder today if anybody has ever been excited about something that God provided for you. You ever been excited about a job that God gave you? You've been praying for a job, and you've been filling out applications, you've been talking to people, you've been interviewing, and God gives you a job, and you're excited about the job. Or maybe you were praying, you remember when you were praying for a spouse, and God provided a spouse for you. And that perfect person comes along, or that you think is perfect, and then they come into your life, and you think they can do no wrong, and you can do no wrong, and you're just so in love, and you're excited about God and his provision. God, you've provided for me. Maybe it was the house that you were finally able to buy. And you're excited about the house. We've been renting for years and now we're able to buy. Or we just got married and we're able to afford this because God has blessed us. And, and you step into that and you're excited about it. Maybe it was a move you were going to make. Or maybe it was a business that you were going to start. Or some role you were going to step into in your career. And you were pumped up. God's providing. God's doing everything that I asked him to do. This is so good. Life is going great. And then has your excitement ever been stripped away because of worry of what other people might think about you have you ever been excited about something that god's doing and then the thoughts start creeping in well they're just going to think that i'm just in it for all the money well they're just going to think well what are they going to think well i'm not old enough to really be in that most people that get that position are you know like 45 and I'm 35 and so I'm really not supposed to be there so what are people going to think are people really going to listen to me are they going to follow me and all of this all of the excitement of what God was doing in your life is stripped away by worry of other people's thoughts and feelings and what they're going to say about you well they're just going to think that I'm over spiritualizing everything well, they're just going to think that I want a bigger house than they have. And then as soon as I get that house, and they're going to get a big, they're going to build their own house, and they're going to get a bigger house because they're just going to think that, well, I mentioned one time before that I really liked their house, and I liked how many square feet it was and, and all this stuff. And then we went and got another house that was bigger than that one, and so now we're in this competition. I just wonder what they're going to think about us if we do that. I wonder what they're going to think. Well, they're just going to think if I take a step of faith, if I say that I feel like I'm supposed to do this, they're just going to think I'm a quitter. 
I'm just worried that they're going to think I'm a quitter. And this is where Peter was at in his life. Come on. He had just walked with Jesus for three years. He had just been walking with Jesus, watching everything that Jesus was doing. They're healing people. They're doing all this amazing stuff. And he's excited. And in one moment, in one moment, when things get a little tough, things go a different direction than what we thought they were going to go. Well, I didn't foresee this happening. I didn't know this was coming. And what are they going to think about me? They're, you know, they're not treating Jesus very nice right now. And in one moment, all of the excitement and the amazement and everything and the dedication and the loyalty to Jesus was stripped away because of what somebody else might think or do to him if they knew that he, they were, if he was associated with them. Are you hearing me? There was some excitement going on. And just prior to this, come on, just prior to this, Jesus, Jesus had told Peter, you know, this is about to happen and I just want you to know ahead of time, you're going to deny me three times, and then the rooster's going to crow. And Peter is like, no, I'm not. Peter is emphatically telling Jesus, I will never, I will never leave you. I will never desert you. I will never deny you. I will be with you. They're just going to have to kill me. If they're going to kill you and do something crazy to you, they're just going to have to go through me to do it. And in a moment, worry and fear sets in and it changed everything this is galatians chapter 2 i want to read just three verses here verses 11 through 13 this is peter again peter's he's, he's such a great guy we can learn so much from peter when peter came to antioch he did something that was not right i stood against him because he was wrong this is paul writing this is paul talking this is what happened when peter first came to antioch he ate and associated with the non-jewish people but when some Jewish men came from James, Peter separated himself from the non-Jews. He stopped eating with them because he was afraid of what the Jews who believe that all non-Jewish people must be circumcised. So Peter was a hypocrite. The other Jewish believers joined with him, so they were hypocrites too. Even Barnabas was influenced by what these Jewish believers did. Peter's doing what he felt like he was supposed to be doing. There's some excitement around it. I'm hanging out with the non-Jewish people. Like, I, this, is, this is unheard of. We're trying to bring Jesus to the people that, that, don't, that have never even thought that they can have a relationship with Jesus. And as soon as the, the religious people show up, as soon as the people who don't think that what he's doing is what he should be doing shows up, he gets up from the table, and he's like, you know, I'll see you, you know. Good hanging out. I'll see you guys later. And he goes over here with all the, the, the religious people and the Jewish people and sits with them. And, you know, we're like, I was just, you know, well, I was just being nice. You know I, know, I know we're not supposed to really eat with those people and we're not really supposed to hang out with them. So I was just kind of, you know, I was just being respectful for a moment, just waiting on y'all to get here. And when y'all got here, then I knew I had to get up and come over here. Come on. This reminds me, have you ever been here? This reminds me of high school. When you're in class or when you're in the lunchroom, and I don't know if you've ever been this person or you've been the person this was done to, but somebody, you know, somebody sits by you. Maybe you're the new kid at school and somebody sits by you and they're hanging out with you and they're being nice to you. And as soon as the popular kids walk in, they get up and they leave you for them because they don't want them to think 
that they're hanging out with somebody who's not popular. And this is what Peter did. I'm hanging out with the people who aren't really that popular right now because nobody's watching. Nobody's around. Nobody, you know, is like watching my back. Yeah, we're good. And then as soon as somebody walks in the door, fear of what they think are going to think about me sets in. And so I leave what God told me to do, to do what I want to do so that I can be more comfortable and so that people won't think badly or, or hurt my reputation or, or talk about me behind my back because of what I'm doing because of fear. It's all because of fear. And in both of these stories about Peter, he was influenced by his fear of what people might think about him. We could say it this way. Peter was more concerned with the immediate discomfort he might experience from people's opinions than he was with the eternal opinion of God. People, y'all aren't amening aren't, aren't amen today. <laughs> Peter was more concerned about his immediate discomfort with what people might think about him than he was with God's opinion of him. And so because he was more concerned about people's opinions, he left what God was telling him to do to hang out with people just because he didn't want them to think differently about him. Well, I don't want them to think I'm crazy. I don't want them to think that I'm, just, you know, that I'm weird. I don't want them to, to feel, I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose the people I'm hanging out with so I can only hang out with you until they get here and then, and then, and then I got to go with them. This is what Peter was doing. And I think that many times we're so fearful of other people's opinions of us that we exhaust ourselves. We exhaust, isn't it exhausting to always be evaluating what other people around you are thinking about you? You ever been there? When you're in a group of people, isn't it, doesn't it just wear you out? You go home tired, not because you did anything, but because you worried so much about what everybody was, is my tie straight, and oh man, I should have wore the white shirt, not the black shirt, because everybody's in white, and they're gonna, I'm going to stand out. And, and you, you get in a crowd of people, and you start evaluating what other people might be thinking about you. Come on, we do this at church. We walk into church and we start evaluating what people might think. As we're getting ready for church, we evaluate what people might think about us. What are they going to think about these shoes? Are people going to like, does this go together? Are people going to like what I have on? Does this jacket, you know, it's just scarf, no scarf. I don't, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know really what to do. Let me, let me call somebody and find out what they would do. <laughs> because we're so worried about what other people are thinking about us, we exhaust ourselves day in and day out worrying about what other people are thinking. Have you ever tried to make everybody happy? You ever just tried to make everybody happy? <laughs> can, I just, can I just let you in on a little secret? You're never going to get there. Because when you take a step back and do something because you think that it might make this person happy, now you got somebody over here who doesn't like what you just did. Well, I, I felt like I was supposed to leave this and go do this, and all these people are excited. Woo! We're excited. We got this guy on the team. Look at what he's going to be doing. But all the people over here are thinking, this is what they're doing. 
Can you believe he left? You know why I really think he left? I don't think it was God. I think he was probably, I think he was probably doing, he wasn't working hard and they probably fired him and he just told us that he left. And when you leave, when everything's great over here, and as soon as you step into something else or step into what God wants you to do, now the people over here are all, they're all about it, all about you. It's exciting, but the people that you left over here are talking about you. You're not ever going to please everybody. You're not ever going to please everybody. Can I tell you who you need to please? You know the answer to this question. You didn't have to come to church today to get the answer to this question. God, why do we exhaust ourselves fearing what everybody else thinks? And we do this, I did this in school. And can I tell you, I've probably seen two people since I graduated high school 14 years ago, right? Is that right? I've probably seen two people that I graduated high school with, but when you're in school, well, you better make sure everybody likes you. You're getting your parents to spend money on all these clothes because that's what everybody else is wearing. All because we're worried about what other people are thinking. Now, I'm not telling you not to dress nice and not to look nice and not to take pride in yourself and all of that. But I am saying, why do we exhaust ourselves worrying so much about what everybody around us thinks about us when we should be? And a lot of times when we do that, God gets, he gets pushed to the side because there's not room for both. You can, either, you can either be focused on pleasing God, or you can be focused on pleasing everybody else. But I think it's really hard to do both. I think it's really hard to do both. So what are you focused on today? I like this statement that someone once said it like this. If you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from their rejection. If you live for me to accept you, you'll die when I don't. If you if 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 you get your joy and your happiness from from these three people around you liking you all the time, the moment that you do something that they don't agree with, or the moment that that they're having a bad day and you feel like you're rejected, it'll kill you. Because you're that is that's where you're getting everything from. I'm getting everything from you, and when you don't fulfill what I need, then I feel rejected, and it kills me on the inside. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. And I wonder how many of us have given up on something God has called us to do, or we have failed to do something God has asked us to do because of the fear of other people's reactions or comments or thoughts. What if, let's just, let's just hypothetically for a moment, what if Moses had not gone back to Egypt and done what God told him to do because he was afraid of what people were going to think about him because he had murdered somebody before, ran away 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert. God comes to him in a burning bush and says, this is what I'm telling you to do. What if Moses had got, Moses tried to get out of it? Well, I don't, I don't speak well. Well, you know what I did in my past? 
well, you know, you know, what are they going to think about me? Are they going to, you know, is he even going to listen to me, this guy used to be? You're telling me to go back to the guy who used to be considered my brother and go tell him that I, he's supposed to let your people go. How is that going to work? What if Moses had not gone back to Egypt to do what God told him to do because fear of his past and fear of what people were going to think about him? What would have happened if David had not gone out and killed Goliath because he feared failure? What would have happened if David had showed up that day and instead of saying, you know what, just let me, you're, you're all just freaking out over something that God can take care of, so let me just go out and, and fight the, the giant, we'll kill the giant, we'll move on with our lives. But what if, well, I don't really know if, if I can do it. God, are you really going to come through for me in this situation? I don't really know if I have enough faith to step out and do this. What are people going to think when I walk out and I get five rocks and a slingshot to go fight a giant? What are people going to think about me? As I'm walking out there, they're going to be talking about me behind my back. Can I tell you, they probably were because they were already talking about him while he was standing there. <laughs> and so when he walked away to go fight the giant, I'm sure everybody was like, oh, dear God, what are we going to tell Dad? <laughs> how, did, how did David die? <laughs> Let's come up with a story right now before we go back. How did, <laughs> what are we going to do after, after Goliath kills him? Then, you know, things are really going to get ugly. I'm sure they were talking about him as he walked out to do what God told him to do. But what if he'd have never stepped out and did it? Where would things have gone if he'd never stepped out and done it? What about Noah? We just read through the story of Noah like, oh, that's a cool story. They, they didn't even know what rain was. And God comes to a man and says, it's going to rain. And, well, first let me explain rain to you. And the whole earth is going to flood, and I need you to build this big boat that's going to house all these animals and you and your family and all these people. Do you think there might have been some people talking about Noah? Do you think, we just read through the story, and I, when I read the story, I'm thinking, people probably thought this guy was crazy. Spent years working on an ark for some rain that nobody even really understood was coming so that he could obey God. What if he had never built the boat? What if he would have never done what God told him to do because, well, if I do this, people are going to talk. And I don't want people talking about me because I like people liking me. I like people, I like people to think highly of me. And what are they going to think if I step out and do what you've told me to do. Here's what I believe. Every great thing that anyone did in the Bible for God probably had its fair share of naysayers and critics. I don't think you can find one story in the Bible of something just amazing that God did through somebody, that there wasn't a group of people. Even Jesus had a group of people who followed him around trying to figure out a way to trap him and convince everybody else around him that he needed to die because of what he was doing. And he's doing exactly, come on, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've ever been just all of my life been doing exactly what God told me to do. And Jesus was, and he had people around him trying to get him killed. I would say you can't find a story 
And if you step out and do something for God or there's something that maybe you've put on hold that you know you were supposed to have done five years ago or ten years ago or last month, there are going to be critics. And there are going to be naysayers. And they're going to be loud. Come on, we're just being honest. The, the critics are always louder than the people that are with you. When you're, when you're doing something, when you're taking a step of faith, when you're, when you're walking with God and, and, and doing things for God, they're all, the, the naysayers are probably always going to be louder than the people that are for you and with you. But they're probably not going to be the majority. But we like we but in our minds, don't we make them the majority? Don't we make the people that are the critics and the people that don't like it and the people that 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 never, you know, maybe never even really liked you to begin with and you just thought they did, and then you take a step to do something for God or you take a step in your life. You give your life to God and now the people the, the, the naysayers are always going to be there. The question is, who are you trying to please? Are you in it for God, or are you in it for what everybody thinks about you? I'm getting some nods, and I'm getting some looks like, why did I come to church today? Come on, I'm trying to help you, and I'm trying to help me today. And this is what, this is, I know this is what God told me to tell you today. And he knew you would be here. He knew exactly who was going to be here today. We're, we're exhausting ourselves with fear of what everybody else is going to think about what we do. The way that we look, the way that we handle ourselves, the way that we speak, the way that we talk, the way that you preach, the way that you lead worship, the way that you dress when you come to church, the way that you hang around these people, the way that you do this over here, the way that you eat, the way all of these things, we're exhausting ourselves on what people think. And the question is, are you, are you in it for God or are you in it for other people's opinions? You've got to answer that question on your own. The difference between Moses and Noah and David and some of us in our lives and what we struggle with is they didn't let fear of other people keep them from living for God and doing what they were called to do. Were they fearful while they were doing it? Maybe. Would you be? But how many, how many of you know sometimes you just have to do it afraid? Sometimes you just got to do, sometimes you just got to do something afraid. I'm scared to death to do this, but because God told me to do it, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just going to do it afraid. I'm not going to feel, sometimes we wait for 100%, just, God, just give me a 100% peace and just let a dove fly down and land on my headrest of my bed and make sure that everything, you know, and he's just bringing, the Holy Spirit's just bringing peace. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit is the comforter and he will bring peace and that is that is scriptural and biblical and God is there and he'll be with you every step of the way. But I think God also wants to see if you're going to have a little faith and so you're probably only going to get about 80% of what you want before you step out and do something. Because if you were 100% sure, you don't need God. If I'm 100% sure that what I'm about to do is going to work and is what God told me to do, psh, I'll just do it. I know it's going to work. But when I'm about 80% sure, 75% sure, and God's saying, you know what, I'll be with you and I'm calling you to do this, but, but I'm a little bit concerned about what everybody else is going to think about me, and there's that little percentage that is fearful, sometimes you just have to do it afraid. Do it afraid. And here's the incredible news for all of us today. 
that even though Peter failed in both of these stories that we looked at, God forgave him and still used him to do awesome things. <laughs> even though Peter failed in these two instances, he denied Jesus three times. I will never deny you. One, two, three, rooster crows, he's denied him three times. Even though he's, you know, I feel like this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be around these people so that I can bring Jesus to these people. But I'm so concerned about what they think about me that I really don't, you know, I'm just going to, maybe later. <laughs> maybe later. Maybe when, let me talk to them and explain it to them and get them on board. And let's, you know, let's, let's make sure that, that they're not going to think badly of me. And then I'll, and then God, I'll do what you are telling me to do. Even though he failed in both of these stories, God used him to do awesome things. In fact, it was the same Peter later on in his life who said this when he was faced with a similar situation. This is in Acts 5.29. Peter is telling all these people, Peter and the other apostles answered, We must obey God, not you. So when faced with a situation later on, this is the same guy who had denied Jesus, got up from what God was, was calling him to because of fear of what people were going to think about him, had finally come to the place in his life where he could say, you know what, we, just, we have to do what God's telling us to do, not what you're telling us to do. We have to, I have to do what God tells me to do and not what you want me to do. I want to bring the worship team back up. I love what John Piper says. We don't have this on the screens, but I'm going to read it to you. He says, Faith comes to Christ destitute of any claim to be glorious or to be praised. So the love of human praise is a great obstacle to faith. It must die. The other reason the love of human glory is contradictory to faith is that faith is a drinking of living water for the satisfaction of our souls. And the well of that water is the glory of Christ. And when we are satisfied with him, come on, don't miss this. When we are satisfied with Jesus, the enslaving power of the craving for human glory is broken. Broken by the power of a superior satisfaction. When you have tasted the beauty of God and the approval of God in Christ, the addiction to human approval is broken and you are free. Here's, here's the problem. We have God and we have other people's opinions. And too many times we have it out of balance. I'm a little bit more concerned about what people are going to think because I'm living here around these people than I am of what God thinks about me. And what John Piper says is that if we can just flip the two and you can ever get a glimpse or a taste of God's approval of you and what God has called you to do and that he is proud of you and he loves you no matter what and he will be with you every step of the way. If you can ever just get, if you can ever get that up here and get a taste of it, it'll free you from needing approval of people. We've just got to switch the, switch the scale. Stop getting people's opinions above God's opinion. While we might care and we want, we want people to, to support us and we want people to be around us and we want people in our lives 
that are going the same direction we're going and on this journey with us. We have to have God's opinion. And when you've tasted it, when you've seen it, when you've experienced it, it will free you from needing the approval of other people. And I came today to tell you that you don't have to live your life in fear of what everyone else around you is thinking about you. And you can take that step of faith today because God said so. Come on, we've said that to our kids. Why do I have to do that? Because I said so. Can I tell you that you can do whatever God told you to do because he said so? Because he said so. You can survive and thrive in the criticism of others when you're in God's will. And we cannot live for the approval of God and people. And here's why. Because God will lead you to do things sometimes that do not make sense to other people. This is why it's so hard to have both. You can't be focused on, but well, I'm going to do what God tells me to do, but I'm going to try to make everybody happy, but I'm going to do what God tells me to do, but I'm going to try to make everybody happy. Sometimes God's going to call you to do something that's not going to make sense to everybody around you, but that doesn't mean that you don't do it. Are you hearing me? That doesn't mean that you don't do it because it doesn't make sense to everybody else around you. Whose opinion is higher? Who are you more concerned with? And here's, here's the cool part that I want to end with today. When we live for God's approval, will you stand to your feet? I don't want you to miss this. When we live for God's approval, he has a way of getting us where we need to be and surrounding us with the right people to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. When we live for God's approval and we live in obedience to what God has told us to do, God has a strange way of getting you around the right people. And when you didn't think you had the resource, he has a strange way of resourcing you to do what he tells you to do. And he has a strange way of getting you where you need to go when you don't think there's any way that you can get where you need to go. When we're living for his approval, for his approval, and it frees us from worrying and exhausting ourselves with what everybody else thinks about us. So what is God calling you to do? What is the thing that you, that you started, that you never finished because you were worried? What is the thing that right now you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and there is just something inside of you, you know this is where I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to do, this is the, you know, I've been praying about this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and I know this is the direction I'm supposed to go, but I'm just so worried about what's going to happen if I step out and I do it. I'm so worried about what's going to happen if I make the transition from this job to that job, even though I know that that's where God wants me and I know I feel a release from here and I know it's been confirmed that this is what I'm supposed to do. Are you going to live for God's approval or for the approval of others? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. God, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I believe that there are so many of us that 
have spent so much of our lives exhausting ourselves living in fear. Living in fear of failure. Living in fear that we're going to do the wrong thing. Living in fear of what other people are going to think about us. Living in fear of, of, of whatever it is. God, there are so many of us, I believe, that are living with that fear. And Lord, today I pray that you would give us a taste of what you think about us. Every person here, that you would give them a taste and just, just a little glimpse of who they are to you. And God, that that, that, that that vision of who they are to you, that they are your son, that they are your daughter, that they are your child, that you have never left them, you will never leave them, you will never forsake them, no matter what you tell them to do, even if it doesn't make sense, they can step out and do it because you will always be with them. That when they get that reality, that realization, that revelation from you, that it would free them, it would free us, from always needing other people's approval in our lives, from fear of what other people might think about us. I want to invite the prayer team to come down. I want to ask you this question, and then we're going to pray together, we're going to sing together, we're going to worship God together one final time today. But maybe you're here, and I don't know, maybe you're here, and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never, you've never made that decision. And today you feel like, you just feel it in your heart, you feel it in your spirit, you just know today's my day. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Can we just all pray this prayer together just in, in support of those that are making this decision for the first time today? Just say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose again so that I could have life so that I can have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I receive your forgiveness today for everything that I've ever done and everything that I'll ever do. And today I make the decision to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we put our